Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. So much. Here are the nominees for actress in leading role. Jessica Chastain, Zero Dark Thirty. Jennifer Lawrence, Silver Linings Playbook. Emmanuel Riva, Amour. Quaden Janeiro Wallace, Beasts of the Southern Wild. Naomi Watts, The Impossible. And the Oscar goes to Jennifer Lawrence. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today I am joined by Rob Brown, who was previously on the show before whenever we did the Renee Zellweger episode. And uh, that was supporting. This time we're doing a lead. We're doing Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, Rob Brown is a personal trainer in the greater Toronto area. And uh, his clients have fantastic results. So if you live in the greater Toronto area and you uh, want to be a beast, uh, contact Rob Brown. Uh, you can find him online at Rob Brown 25 on Instagram. Uh, welcome, Rob Brown. Welcome. Hey, Kyle. How you doing? Good to be back. Hi. Good. How are you? How is the lockdown treating you? <laughs> Same as before. Hopefully uh, things open up here in Toronto uh, March 9th. I think they're predicting. So hopefully things are good then. March 9th, really? That's what they say, but it might be another month or so. You know how it is. You know, I have to say, one thing that really just irks me is finding out that in Canada, we will be completely vaccinated, they say, by like August, September. And in the whole country? The, uh, it, allegedly. But they say that in the United States, because Biden did that war act, whatever, and like it made it an emergency state of blah, 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 so that everybody had to start producing the vaccine, they're going to be fully vaccinated by May. They are the country in the world that didn't take this seriously at all. And then suddenly they're ahead of us. Like that really wow, pisses me off. Like, yeah, with the states' big population and how slow their rollout was before, like I would have said like at least five to six years <laughs> to get everybody in the but may two months from now the whole wow good for allegedly <laughs> i mean yeah i know i mean i because my friend she lives in los angeles and she is on like a student visa and she was saying that obviously like the healthcare workers and the elderly are priority but what people can do if they want is they can wait outside of a clinic like all day like in a lineup and if some people just didn't come to their appointments they can uh just take someone's missed appointment and they can get the vaccine hmm. so it's accessible Okay, interesting. Yeah, but I just really want Canada to catch up because you'd think, I mean, Australia's back to normal, New Zealand's back to normal, like Canada, we need to do better. Yeah, like Israel, like 97% of the whole population got it already or something, so... Well, I, I put it on Facebook. I was like, we need to get a fucking Karen into the government of Canada with the I have expired coupons, but I want to talk to the manager energy and just like get this taken care of, like get exactly. it done. Done. <laughs> So, so this is uh, Jennifer Lawrence, and I got to say that a lot of people, I mean, I'm very much first come, first serve, but a lot of people have asked me to do the Jennifer Lawrence year, the famous tripping up the stairs because she's so quirky in our hearts, J-Law. I have to ask, why, why did you want to do this year? Why did you want to pick Jennifer Lawrence? So this year, so I love this movie that she did, Silver Linings mm -hmm. Playbook. 
And mm-hmm. it was not, it, it was a year where there wasn't a guarantee. Like the other year that I did the Renee Zellweger, everyone knew she was getting it. It was like mm-hmm. her third nominee in three years. Uh, but this one was very, like, if you if you do an Oscar ballot, like an Oscar party at home, like I do every year that, like that I host, no one was sure about Best Actress this year. And then you had right. like two newcomers, right? You had, I'm going to butcher their names, Quince. And, uh, Quivanjane Wallace. Quivanjane Wallace. And then Emmanuel Riva. Riva. They were not even nominated for like the Golden Globes or the BAFTAs or any of these other ones. Like they just snuck up. So I was like, well, Emmanuel really? Riva actually won the BAFTA. Oh, sorry. Not the BAFTA, but like the Critics' Choice won and, and, and some of the others. So like these two just like snuck up and, mm-hmm. and took out like seven other of the nominees for Best Actress from the mm-hmm. Golden Globes. It's like, who is it going to be? And then Jennifer Lawrence got it, which I, I think I had her marked on my ballot. But I like this year. I like all the movies this year. I like how these five films that these women are in are not, other than Silver Lines Playbook, like not Hollywood. Does that make sense? Sure. Like, yeah. Well, no, for like sure. If there is a French film, but they're not that Hollywood style. They're all filmed very differently. There's a lot of foreign directors in there. So um, it was just a good year that I wanted to talk about. Well, this is interesting. I'm actually really excited to talk about this year because I have so many opinions about Jennifer Lawrence. I love how the world was obsessed with her and literally called her the girl on fire with the Hunger Games. It was like right place, right time. She X-Men, like she literally just kept going and going and building and building and everyone thought, oh my God, you know, here's this amazing, talented, young little thing. She was the it girl. I know that they hate saying that, but she was the it girl. And then the world just fucking hated her and it was like what happened she i remember i remember no sorry go ahead oh well no because i remember when emmanuel riva she was the dark horse that came into this because everyone said that emmanuel riva was going to win and i remember mm. at the time because jennifer lawrence and i i think we're the same age she was like she meant so much to me at this time of my life when I was like 22, 21, yeah. you know? And I remember I loved the Hunger Games series. I loved uh, Winter's Bone. And when she actually could potentially win, it was like the first time I ever gave a shit about an Oscar or a win because it was like somebody close to my age and somebody I could kind of relate to. And it meant a lot to me that when she did actually win, I remember I was nervous that Emmanuel Reeve, like I was nervous about something that I, like I have no, like I don't have a horse in that race. You know what I mean? But like, I, Mm -hmm. I felt so connected to it. And I remember when she won, I had, I was having an Oscar party, like with my girlfriends. And I remember I jumped out of my seat (laughs) and I literally screamed over, over (laughs) Jennifer Lawrence winning an Oscar. I, it meant so much to me. Um, yeah, I, I remember her everywhere, but even like, like, like when you said like the it girl, remember when she was on, like, was it Letterman or Kimmel or those things? And it's just like, so what do you eat to get in shape for the roles? And she's like, pizza every day, pizza. Like she would yeah. say <laughs> things like that weren't the typical, oh, I train six days, six hours a day and eat broccoli. Like she was just super, I'll say what I want. I'm in these like big franchises. Like I remember there were even movies, like some dumb movie called like house at the end of the hill or yes. house at the end of the street on the, house the, the end of the left and the yeah. trailer said starring the hunger games is jennifer lawrence and like i had never seen that in a trailer where they would and they weren't and they weren't even the same studio it was like she's right. hot right now like we're gonna mention this trailer that she's from something else too i she was 
everywhere at one point. So we'll get more into that whenever we talk about her. But uh, 2013 is the ceremony year. Best Picture went to Argo. I remember that was the year whenever Ben Affleck was like snubbed for director and everybody yeah, it was like. Odd, I've yeah. never seen a Best Picture he won everything. win without the mm-hmm. director even being nominated. It's it, it was a, I think he even won the director's guild award so it was kind yeah, of he won the weird. golden globe and yeah yeah he did it, that that was that was a very interesting choice uh best actor went to Daniel Day-Lewis for Lincoln uh best supporting actor went to Christoph Waltz which like blech, but <laughs> that's a different podcast uh best supporting actress went to Anne Hathaway another person who was beloved for a while yeah. and then people fucking hated her and i think <laughs> I think there's like a bit of lingering feeling there for her. I think she's a great actor, but I get that people think that she's very fake because in interviews, she can be very, very fake. Mm. Absolutely. Gotcha. Uh, and best director went to Ang Lee for Life of Pi. Yeah. Which second, I think that movie, it was the second because the first was for Brokeback, but yeah. for this, it was uh, for Life of Pi. I think that movie like famously bankrupt some visual art, visual effects I think studio. It did. Like I know it swept all like the techie awards that year. But I think yeah. it did um, because that whole movie was shot indoors. Like it was I, right, and and I don't think it made the money that they thought it would do. I I really yeah, liked I that movie, but Same. yeah, uh, but yes, this was the famous falling up the stairs incident mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how she's so quirky. I gotta say, um, one of my biggest pet peeves is clumsy people. I <laughs> I hate it so. Like I don't find it like endearing like rom-com like you know there's always that moment where it's like uh-oh like i'm clumsy and i'm accidentally gonna tip the boat over in the yeah. river and then we're both gonna fall in and just laugh about it i'm like yeah. i fucking hate you bitch you got me wet fuck you i'm mm-hmm. taking the boat back you can swim back to shore like i hate clumsy people yeah. but anyway she did it again you know whenever she was nominated for uh what was that fucking movie i hated it the uh American oh, uh, American Hustle. Also American Hustle. Yeah, she tripped on the runway and I was like, oh was my she? god. <laughs> <laughs> or the red carpet or whatever. Ugh. I think she has the award. Uh, sorry, I think she's like it's not an award, but like she has the record for like the most nominations under the age of 24, which is like three nominations or four nominations it was. Mm-hmm. Well, that would make sense. Yeah. She, the last good. nomination was for Joy. Yeah. And then after that, also she kind of <laughs> I, I I love Jennifer Lawrence, but okay, let's let's jump into our first little little group of 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 nominees here. So, okay, let's talk about Beasts of the Southern Wild with Quivon Beasts of the Southern Wild with Quivon Janae Wallace. Mm-hmm. So, this movie, like you said, kind of came out of nowhere because it was winning all the Independent Spirit Awards and all the like little indie things. And when this was announced, uh, Quavanjane Wallace became the youngest nominee at nine years old uh, and 135 days to be nominated for a Best Actress. I think the youngest winner is Tatum O'Neill still, and she was nine when she won for Paper Moon. It's true. At the piano, same time. Yeah, Anna Paquin was, what, 13, I think? Yeah. I think she was 11. 11, yeah. I remember I did that. I remember I did that year uh, with my friend Leah, and I believe I awarded it to Anna Paquin because her acting for a child was is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, same time, though, when Quavon Janae Wallace got nominated, Emmanuel Riva, when she was nominated, became the oldest yeah. ever nominated time, at 84. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is crazy. So Beasts of the Southern Wild is a 
kind of post-apocalyptic fantasy movie about told through the perspective of an innocent girl who eventually kind of learns to become a survivor and an independent person on her own. It is such a weird, beautifully written, acted movie that is kind of through the eyes of the child's imagination. So whenever you see those big boars and those big pigs that come out from the um, ice caps melting, Mm -hmm. it's, that's all her imagination and that's just how she that was like a stylistic choice um so this film is based on a one-act play called juicy and delicious um by playwright lucy alabar who apparently makes a cameo in the movie i didn't i didn't i don't think i saw her in the movie but um i didn't keep an eye out like i wasn't sure like i didn't know that she did what (laughs) you know well i remember watching this movie the first time and kind of liking it kind of but the second time around i liked it a lot more and to i think i had a greater appreciation for this film and for her performance and a lot of people the reviews for this movie where people were like you know why was she nominated this is such a classic trope of oscars just she was amazing in this movie and and to also add voiceover as well like, mm-hmm. like she was in on like just about every scene like i think there was a couple scenes with her dad who was also great in the film yes um but but she was this whole movie is very physically demanding but she mm-hmm. looks jacked as well <laughs> like she's yeah. very muscular <laughs> for a nine-year-old girl i was like wow because like she's doing a lot of uh climbing and whatnot but but it felt very much like a foreign movie that almost like Chunking Express or uh, Capernaum. I don't know if you folks have seen those films, but you don't know where they are. Like, I know it is like a utopian mm-hmm. kind of future post-apocalyptic, but you then find out that they're off off New Orleans around yeah. there. Or like but Louisiana, you, yeah. It's just like this, like, it's just a bunch of shelters and sheds in this community. And it feels like you're, they're in a foreign country, but they are in the States in the future kind of. And I thought... I'm, I keep butchering her name. Kuvanjane <laughs> Wallace. Kuvanjane. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think that she did a great job. Again, like the dad was good in this movie. Um, it's funny because like I then saw Annie, which she was in, like a few years later, uh, with Jamie Fox, mm-hmm. uh, which was just horrible, right? I know yeah. some people like like they'll say things like, "Oh, well, I don't think Halle Berry should have won for Monsters Ball because Catwoman and that James Bond movie she was in weren't that good in the future." It's like, look. We're looking at the yeah. performance of this year, like this particular performance. Like the agents didn't know, like the Academy didn't know what Halle Berry was going to do in the future. So like, like for me to look at Fonjane <laughs> Wallace and say, oh, because I didn't like Annie, that makes her performance in Beats of the Southern Wild not very good is like a ludicrous statement. So I thought she was absolutely great in this. I like mm-hmm. how the voiceover was there as well, because again, like when you're doing voiceover, you're sitting there in a studio. A lot of these actresses, even Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, like they can think about other times in their life where you know like this line or this act right like finding yeah. an internal monologue but as a nine-year-old who hasn't really had a whole lot of life experiences that's she did a really good job <laughs> well i love that you said that so they act so she was she was nine when she was nominated but she was like five six when she filmed this so she's oh, even yes. younger yes that's she's right. even younger and the thing is is um her mother i have her name here i'm gonna butcher this pronunciation i apologize was colandria wallace mm-hmm. uh, actually apparently helped explain concepts to her and emotions for her to draw on and the thing is is whether or not you're five or six or whatever and um you know people look at these 
these kinds of performances the old was just a kid the thing is is that i have a six-year-old niece okay mm-hmm. and if i tried to explain this to her and i tried to get her to act like that and to cry on command and to react in a certain way frankly i just don't really think that she could do that and i think that it is she's obviously a very precocious child and i think that um her acting was really incredible and it just it gives you such a like this performance on this movie gives you such a like heartwarming kind of feeling because she's so she's so cute and she's it's mm-hmm. one of these things where it's like she's like kind of a sad character but the whole point of it is that she's supposed to be like I'm independent. I'm on my own. I can handle this and I got mm. this. But she's so young and little and it's like almost yeah. endearing. And it's 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 a very tender, very sweet little performance. Yeah. I but agree. it's realistic. Like it's a very I harsh mean, reality. Yes. Yes, it is. And and again, like the mom was explaining things, but it's not like the mom has lived in a, you know, a post-apocalyptic New Orleans society either, right? So right. um, like there was probably a lot that the mom was doing to help and then uh Quangela Wallace was, you know, take, she did a good, like a great job. It's funny. I think the last podcast episode that I had you on, um, your Quivangene was my Sheree Agdashlu. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, right. what was this Sheree? No, I know. Uh, a lot of people said that this was a tree of life kind of nomination where people were like, what? The- yeah. And it felt very Terrence Malick, like sort of film. Like, I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with his work, but he did the movie tree of life. And it is, um, and it, it, it very much felt like that. And people were like, but the movie's about nothing. It's like, yeah, but like not every movie has to be a straightforward plot where they fall in love, they this, they that. It's mm-hmm. about this woman, sorry, this this young girl living in this society, like living and, and surviving. Because how many times do you think this will happen in the future? How many times do we see it now? Like, of course, right now there are these resources that if a family member dies or like in this film, her dad gets sent to the hospital and refuses treatment, like right he's making some like choices like there are resources nowadays for the kids to he's an anti-vaxxer yeah exactly (laughs) like for the kids to get help and find shelter but in a place like this and maybe some other countries where they're not as privileged with social care as we are over here in the west a kid like there's probably a lot of kids that do live like this well it almost had a you know, water world meets global warming meets mm-hmm. Hurricane Katrina meets like race issues in America meets um, what was that movie where it was uh, Grand Budapest Hotel director something Kingdom. Um, Moonrise, Moonrise Kingdom. It's kind of like all of that, like in one sort of movie. And I thought it was for its budget really captivating and really really interesting and i was really impressed with kovanjane wells for such a young actor to be able to do this type of acting and i just it's it was such a heartwarming but also like sad kind of ending and it was mm-hmm. like her father kept being like, I can't keep taking care of you and blah, blah, blah. And like the way that she keep, he keeps rejecting her, but you know that he's doing it because I think deep down his dad, her dad knows that, you know, he's not going to live a lot longer and she has to learn how to be on her own. I love that. Her name is hush puppy. It's so cute. Um, I also love that weird segment where they go to like the whorehouse. Yeah. And then, 
I don't know if that was like her mom or if it, it I didn't I feel like it was it was supposed to be implied that it was her mother or something that she was talking to. But then this woman is also like, you know, life sucks. It's hard. You need to be ready for it. And mm-hmm. then she has this sort of like weird like dance with her daughter where she's holding on to her daughter and they're kind of swaying back and forth in this like whorehouse or, or brothel <laughs> yeah. or whatever the hell it is. And it's this really tender endearing moment but when you really think about it it's actually pretty fucked up what you're watching yeah i i I loved it i love this movie same and i'd recommend it to people it it was yeah it this i i remember when i found out that this that she was kind of nominated i think i kind of had a bit of a cynical um perspective of the nominee i thought oh yeah you're just nominating her because you want to make like history you want to make like an award like you know, yeah, like a first woman of color or something. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I, I really, I was so cynical about it. And um, when I read the reviews, I kind of, it just kind of confirmed it for me. But the thing is, is that most of the reviews were done by white men and you're like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I loved Herber in this movie. I was so impressed with her and I just love how innocent and literal her viewpoint was, but also the way that she adapts to such a harsh reality. And she comes out mm-hmm. as a survivor. It's this, conflicting emotion kind of movie where it's endearing and sweet, but also kind of soul crushing and sad. And I love when you get like a mixed emotion from him from a, honestly, let's be honest, like a low budget movie. Yeah. Definitely was low budget. And again, didn't feel American. <laughs> I think that's kind of part of its charm exactly. because the movie is anti-American. Yeah. yeah. That's what I loved about it. Because that, well, and that's the thing is all the adults that survived, they refused to be part of society and they, mm-hmm. they hated society. So Yeah. Yeah, I I loved her in this movie. Perfect. Hush Puppy, love it. Puppy. Um, okay, well, since we talked about Kuvanjani Wells, the youngest nominee, let's go to the oldest nominee. So let's talk about Emmanuel Riva in Amour. It seems to be so... a year where uh, women are bedridden in a lot of the films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. In so mobile. she was she was she was eighty four years old when she got this nomination, and she surpassed Jessica Tandy, who uh, previously was. Uh, holding the 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 crown of the oldest nominee with uh um driving miss driving what's that driving miss daisy yeah, yeah. Miss. and uh okay if any of if 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 nobody has seen the movie amour it is Love. a french film uh where you kind of have to be like in a hospice kind of mood um oh. it is one of those stories that is extremely powerful because these are the kinds of stories in film that people don't want to see because it just reminds them of their own imminent mortality and things that could happen to them. So basically this woman suffers a stroke and you basically just watch her and her husband who is taking care of her suffer because she was like, do not dare take me to a home or a hospice i want i want to die at i want to die at home and you basically just see the struggle that the husband goes through taking care of the love of his life while she slowly dies and she's like the dad from beasts of the southern wild i can see the resemblance yeah this okay so this movie like a more it means love in french and Mm -hmm. you see all these friends and family members coming to the house saying no you have to take it to the home you have to take it to the home and the husband does such a great job of no this is what she wants i love mm-hmm. her if i break that promise to her in which i like by taking her to the hospital then i've betrayed her trust 
-hmm. And I love her so much that I'm not going to do that. So these people that come that don't know her, of course, as much as the husband does, no, Mm -hmm. she has to get proper care. She has to get proper care. His, his, even though he believes that this might, it might be better for her to do that in her, in like health wise, he still didn't want to break this promise of not Mm -hmm. doing that and taking care of her after her stroke. And then obviously it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And it, okay. So she won the, she was the, she was the dark horse of the Academy Awards this year. Everybody thought that she was going to win. She won the BAFTA for lead actress. I believe that she won the Cannes film festival, like best actress, you know, Um, the film. Okay. And she, and the Academy Award, it won for Best Foreign Language Film. Also, yep. side note, I find it really weird whenever somebody gets nominated for a foreign language film, but then the foreign language film is not nominated in the category for foreign language film or vice versa. I always find, sorry, so, I always find that, that weird. Again, the, sorry, say that well, again, the armor? Yeah, like what, I, well, like what I mean is just sort of like, I always find it weird whenever a foreign language film, like, you know, wins for foreign language, yep. but it's not nominated in any acting categories. You're like, well, how the hell does that uh, make so sense? Other years, yeah. Or, or if a person is nominated for a foreign language film for a performance, but the movie is not nominated for mm-hmm. foreign language film. Sure. I always, I always find that very, very strange. Also, I wouldn't be surprised if Sophia Loren was actually nominated for Best Lead Actress Um this year i don't know if she will be but we'll see but just talking about emmanuel riva in this movie so everybody thought that she was going to win this oscar and i kind of figured that she would too and i was a little happy that she didn't win but i also never saw the movie this is my first time watching it and wow it is a heavy fucking movie it is um if I'm being honest with you, for two hours and six minutes, it dragged a little bit for me. It was um, very slow. A little boring, uh, but the acting is incredible. The actors were told by the director to avoid any kind of sentimentality at all costs because um, I love that Emmanuel Riva's character just didn't want to be a victim. And she wasn't. She just was accepting that this was her reality and she wanted to die with dignity. And um, physically... In terms of acting, you know, like when she could only speak out of her left side, she did that very well. Um, most of the movie, she's bedridden. She doesn't have a ton of lines. It it's 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 very difficult to watch if you have somebody in your life that has gone through something like this because it is a very real performance. It is very real. What and, what did um, you think? What did you think? Yeah. So Michael um, Henneke, or is it? Henique? I forget his I forget his last name. Henneke. I'm not sure. So he's known for making these French movies. Like he made Funny Games, and then the re- the American version of the remake of Funny Games, which is this actually also with uh, Naomi Watts, which is this like hmm. torturous kind of movie. And then he made one called Caché, which is hidden, and that one is very like this was like Caché was one where, like when I was in high school, everyone was like, if you haven't seen this movie, then you're not a film watcher kind of person. Oh, and mm. um. So watching that and then all these movies, like they deal with a lot of depressed and negativity and, you know, they're all very sad, but this one, it's called love. And when you Mm -hmm. watch it, you're like, yes, it's about her stroke getting worse and worse and worse. And the, and the husband who also does a great job is caring for her. But then you're like, but it's also the love in the movie is so strong as well. Like it is Mm -hmm. a bad thing that happens to her with the stroke, but it's about a loving couple and how even like 
she would probably live longer if he did take her to a hospital and get her better care, but just didn't want to break that trust. And the husband, like it must be such a hard position to see your wife going through that, knowing Mm -hmm. if I, you know, if I break this promise, I can get you better care. You can live longer, but I don't want to do that and betray you. So Mm -hmm. it kind of, it kind of messes with your emotions a little bit. They are both um, ex piano teachers. Um, I don't know why that was was relevant. (laughs) Well, no, but um, I remember. It's one of those movies where the film opens uh, seeing her dead. And then it it shows how it got there. The process of of getting there. Did he kill himself? I'm pretty sure that that was implied, right? It was. Because that's when the police come up. I'm assuming that he jumped out the window. Yeah, so he's standing there. And then the police come up. Like he's standing there on the edge. And the police come up. Oh, I don't. Okay, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember that part. But I, 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 I thought that that was a little bit confusing, maybe to the viewer. I was kind of like, wait, did he kill himself? I don't know. But anyway, um, you know, if Emmanuel Riva kind of went category fraud on this one and went supporting, I think she would have won. I think she would have too. Because on the last episode that I did about Viola Davis, there was so much category fraud going on here, and I just thought, like, well. If she would have gone down to supporting, I think that she would have won this Oscar because I could actually argue that the husband was the lead and she was supporting. If, if you husband know, if you want to kind of, I noticed. Yeah, like I, I feel like if she, that would have increased more, her chances. Yeah. Like he did more communicate with the family and saying like, I'm not going to take her into the home, and and he had more lines. Like I know lines is not always what it is, but I think because it's just like. Um, it's just a, ma- a man and a woman in the movie. Like if it was two men, then one would be supporting and one would be um, acting. But because it's a man and a woman, it's just automatically, it's just um, right. best acting, best acting. I feel like, you know, this kind of story, it's very difficult to watch, especially when she was like being bathed. She couldn't speak. And I think this is a kind of story that a lot of people don't want to hear or see about because I feel like it scares them. I feel like that probably affected her chances of winning this Oscar. It probably a lot of Academy voters probably didn't see this movie. And um, it's not the typical kind of Oscar winning role that a lot of people vote for because this movie is a huge downer. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing is, is the only thing that I like kind of would like really shocked me about this movie is do you remember when she when he's trying to give her water and she spits it out and then yeah. he like slaps her across yeah. the face? <laughs> yeah. I audibly gasped. I was like Yeah, I was like, I was like, okay, somebody that smacks a fucking stroke survivor, mm-hmm. like there's a special place in hell for you. But um <laughs> he eventually euthanizes her, spoiler alert. That's why she's dead yep. at the very beginning. Uh, because he just doesn't want to see her suffer anymore. It was definitely a mercy killing. Um, if I'm being honest with you, I didn't love this movie. I just, not just because it was like a huge downer to watch, but I, it dragged a little bit for me. And, and it's too much like, like you can't, again, like, like if movies are transferring, like the transfer motion, telling a story. And then if you're entertained, you're entertained. Like this movie is not entertaining at all. Right. Like, it, yeah. and, and it's not meant to be, but you still need to maybe throw in things, you know, the family shows up to talk or this happens like for two hours and six minutes. What else can you do other than mm-hmm. end her? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't. Mm, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is incredible physical acting. I believed it. I was like, I could see the way that she was suffering. It was such a believable performance. I mean, truly, truly mm-hmm. amazing. 
Uh, but just in terms of an actual movie, I don't think I would ever watch this movie again. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> now who did you say um, at the beginning of the episode won Best uh, Supporting Actress this year? You're oh, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Okay. Yeah, so she was in La Miserable for, what, eight minutes or ten minutes of time? I think Five. Yeah. I think Emmanuel should have taken that if she was supporting for sure. I think so. I think she would have had a good chance. Okay, unless mm-hmm. you have anything else that you would like to add, we no, can just that's... move on. Hey, Best Actress listeners. Enjoying the show? Want to hear more? Access our entire catalog of Best Actress episodes from the very beginning ad-free by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bestactress. By subscribing, you will also gain access to new episodes one day earlier than their normal release day. Best Actress Podcast will always have 10 free episodes available, but with the release of a new episode, the oldest will go to Patreon, where you can access it anytime with your subscription. Come on, ladies, it's a Fritz Bernays. It's no question. Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe. Okay, let's talk about Jessica Chastain in Zero Dark Thirty. Okay. So... If you've never seen Zero Dark Thirty before, it's a very, very dark sequel to Working Girl. And basically, it's the hunt for Bin Laden. And when this movie was originally written, it was about how they didn't, they couldn't find Bin Laden. And then while they were writing this movie, they actually had to do a complete rewrite of the script. (laughs) And the script writer, Mark Bowl, was actually not even paid for the rewrite, which that would (laughs) just piss me off. Um, How lucky is Catherine Bigelow, the director, just as you're about (laughs) to make this movie about the hunt for Bin Laden, we end up getting him. And it's like, holy crap, this movie's going to be way better. <laughs> right. Um, Rooney Mara was originally cast, not oh. Jessica Chastain. Um, I love me some Jessica Chastain. I think that this movie really, because at this point, people really knew her for the help. And I think that in this movie, because she's sort of that CIA operative named Maya, who apparently is based on a real life person, Robert O'Neill, who actually killed Bin Laden, said that Jessica Chastain's character, Maya, the real life Maya was the bravest woman that he ever met. Mm. Um, he should have said person, not woman. But anyway, um, I think that this was a this was a really really good choice for Jessica Chastain's career because up until this point, I think that she was just known really for the help in that performance, and she was nominated. But this was a very serious, you know, political kind of role, and I think that it she kind of has that kind of vibe to a lot of her movies now. And yes, you know, Ka- she kind of, yeah, continue. Go no, ahead. I was going to say like, and uh, Catherine Bigelow had just come off of zero dark 30 with the first mm-hmm. woman to ever win best director against her ex-husband, James Cameron for avatar, which I thought that was pretty cool. She just stands up and walks <laughs> past him. I thought that was great. But Catherine Bigelow has made some good movies. Like I liked near dark, which is a vampire movie. Uh, uh, Point break with Keanu Reeves and uh, Patrick, um, Patrick Swayze, but I think um, from Zero Dark Thirty. Now, the movie she won for, The Hurt Locker. Apologies, folks. I'm just throwing out a bunch of titles there. Um, Zero Dark Thirty is not as military, gung ho, oorah as as like as Zero Dark as um, Hurt Locker is. It's more of a journalist film, searching Mm -hmm. for things. There's, it's very, it's not pro. Like it is anti-war, but it's not like pro-America really, because they have torture scenes 
uh, or like, sorry, enhanced interrogation techniques, as they call them, and uh, which I think they denied that they actually did use in the Middle East, but in this film, it does show it. But I think, but Jessica Chastain's performance, she is relentless to try mm-hmm. to get to her goal. Like that is her goal. That is what she's sticking with. Uh, through the movie, you can like the makeup artist did a great job of just making her look more tired and drained and worn out. And even when uh, the other military soldiers are flirting or asking her out, her focus is just on this goal. It's like, I don't want any distractions, any external sources stopping me from trying to get Bin Laden. And she has these tips and these leads of how to do it. And the fucking Kyle Chandler guy won't, won't let her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like just because you said that this movie was not very like pro USA, I feel like I think that, you know, Catherine Bigelow was basically just telling an objective story from the perspective of the Americans. I do think it was actually very pro America because you it was very one sided because it was like, we're going to go in there and get our guy and fuck it up. Fuck America. Fuck yeah. Like it was that kind of vibe a little bit, um, which whatever like i mean you know if if the if that country of origin is making it but just as a side note and then i'm going to get back on track this movie at the golden globes had the funniest line ever in golden globe history <laughs> um it was tina fey and amy poehler and they were like you know catherine bigelow is under a lot of scrutiny and criticism because of the torture scenes in zero dark 30 but if anybody is going to do any kind of torture scene in a movie i'm going to believe the person that was married to james cameron and i thought <laughs> that was just such a hilarious burn um but yes you know, she is a tough no bullshit relentless determined character she does a really good um job of showing concern while also trying to be sure of herself which i think is very difficult to do as an actor where it's like you know whenever at the beginning whenever she goes in and she doesn't want to wear a mask and she's like well are you wearing a mask to the guy that's you know torturing this guy and he goes no i'm not wearing a mask but you should wear a mask for your safety she goes no if you're not wearing a mask i'm going to but she still has that look of concern on her her face she wants to be strong and she wants to be brave but she still has that vulnerability to her a little bit and i think that when you're playing a really tough no bullshit kind of character you have to have that level of vulnerability you have to have that sort of likability to your character a little bit and i think that jessica chastain made a lot of really good choices in this role if i'm being honest with you zero dark 30 is a watch the movie once kind of film this is my second viewing of it and i just really wasn't I really, really wasn't into it that much. This is not my favorite Jessica Chastain performance. She's incredible in this movie. I'm not taking that away from her. It's just, I like, I really liked her in so many other things. And um, you really don't begin to understand like why she's nominated until she's like extremely consumed with the lack of results that she's getting Mm -hmm. from all of her tips. And And like you're saying, yeah, exactly. And like, you know, her Oscar moment is really when she demands a team to continue looking for Bin Laden and she's yelling at uh, Kyle. What was it in Kyle Chandler? You said and even threatens to blackmail Kyle Chandler. Yeah. It, it, that's really her Oscar moment. And, um, and as I was watching okay. it, it's really funny that you say that. Cause I was, when I'm watching it and she freaks out. I'm like, that's the clip they're going to show at the Oscars. <laughs> like, yes, you know how they, yes. Zero dark 30. And then it shows them. Yeah. I love, I love that. When you find the Oscar moment, you're like, I think that's the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think that you're definitely a no bullshit. Uh, bull, you're definitely a no bullshit type of character when you pick up the phone annoyed and you just say, "Yeah," that's when you know. And in this movie, every time she picked up the phone, she's like, "What?" or like, 
yeah and you're like okay jessica mm-hmm. chastain is demonstrating that she's no bullshit um and, and it is interesting like um so spoiler alert history they do kill him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the titanic yes. does think at the end of titanic by the way um who's so, this bin laden guy he sounds crazy <laughs> yeah yeah so w- when they finally do get him and I do like how they don't show like close up of his face or close up of like, you know, his head get like, you know, get it's like you see his beard and you see some folks looking over the body. I, I really like how Catherine Bigelow made that choice. Um, mm-hmm. Like you would think that Jessica Chastain would go look at the body and then maybe go into a hallway and do like a yes, you know, and like cry, like, oh, my God, I finally did it. But her facial expression doesn't even change. It's like, mm-hmm okay, now what? Like that sort of feeling that, okay, I have this void. Now I, I, I achieve my goal, but th- <laughs> it just doesn't feel full anymore. And at the very last you're, thing, sorry. I like to think of it, uh, the way that you're describing it, the way that I always like to think of those moments is the end of Finding Nemo when all of the fish get out into the ocean <laughs> and they're just like, and they're just in now the bubble. what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like now what? That's a summer twenty. 20- <laughs> just everyone in, the, in their <laughs> bubbles uh, no but um but even at the last scene like she's on this plane about to go home and uh the pilot's like okay like where to like you're on a plane like where do you want to go and she just doesn't answer and just kind of starts to cry because she mm-hmm. like she's achieved a goal like she doesn't know what to do now with her like of course she has a job but there's no like next target she doesn't have a relationship she doesn't really have family mm-hmm. to go home to she's just sort of okay now what's her like, purpose what do i now? do like yeah. what like exactly like what is my purpose like what is going to fulfill me at this part so i thought that the scene where there wasn't any dialogue and yeah. again Catherine bigelow's choice just to hold the camera on her for a while and jessica chastain just starts to cry it's like okay like you can go yeah. anywhere and you just don't know what to do now well i mean it's also um kind of in her character's defense or in this, I don't know who this, this real person is, this Maya person, but whenever, this is what I find really interesting because this is a real thing that they do in the States because she was recruited right out of high school. So clearly she must've been demonstrating extremely, she must've been gifted or something. You know what I mean? To, To kind of be flagged in the system and then to be recruited right out of high school. And I think that a lot of CIA operatives, I think that that's kind of how it works. And I find that kind of really interesting because I'm kind of like, Oh, like, is that how they do it? Because they kind of like allude to it at one point because uh, I can't remember if it was James Gandolfini. What at one point they come in and he's like, James so Gandolfini uh, is in the movie. Is James Gandolfini. Yeah. He's the, oh, yeah. he's the, Oh, he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what movie were you watching? Yeah, but, <laughs> but he kind of comes in and he goes, he goes, yeah, you, you got recruited right out of high school. Right. She's like, yes, sir. And he's like, Hey, well, I'm not really going to get into that because you know how you got recruited. And I just like, Oh fuck. Like, how did you get now? Like, I'm so curious. Like, how did you get recruited? Like, how does that work for the CIA? Cause yeah, I imagine and, you can't just like apply. <laughs> no, no. And, uh, and I bet like just grabbing people like right at adulthood, right out of high school where they haven't had any life experience and they want the CIA wants their only life experience to be the CIA and training. Like you're, which is traumatic them into whatever they want. Yeah. And that's oh, again, why I feel I'm like I'm sure there is a movie. choice. It's not just like Vietnam in the, in the sun <laughs> going, sure. you're doing this no matter what it's, there is still a choice there and I guess some are in it. 
but I feel like that's why at the end she she just doesn't know what to do with herself because mm. it's like, well, like I was basically like headhunted right out of high school and this has been my entire life for like yeah. 10 years. Very true. And yeah, it's like, what am I, I don't, this is all I know. And I think that there is sort of, you have sympathy for her character in that moment. I do think that, again, like I said, this movie kind of allowed her to transition into big budget dramatic roles, but I don't know if Jessica Chastain has been able to sort of recreate the success of Zero Dark Thirty since. I like Molly's yet. Game. I'm not sure. Like, I've really heard like of it. Molly's I haven't game. seen that it. Was, um, that was Aaron Sorkin's movie, but she plays, again, a woman, no boyfriend, just focused on her work where she runs undercover, like like underground poker games. And it's based mm-hmm. on a true story. It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. Canadian Netflix, that is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the American, they probably have it too. <laughs> oh, another fun fact. A lot of people thought that Chris Pratt worked out for the Marvel movie, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, when he had the abs and stuff. But he was actually working mm-hmm. out for Zero Dark Thirty to play the army guy. And then he signed on for that. That is when Chris Pratt's career went to his stratosphere because in this movie he went on Ellen and he showed his like topless selfie where he's just wearing underwear and the fucking internet broke. And I remember after that, yeah, he was like in Jurassic World. He Mm -hmm. was in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was suddenly this huge movie star. But up until this point, we only knew him from like Parks and Rec and like comedy roles. Yeah, the OC and stuff, yeah. Oh, okay. Let's talk about our next nominee. Let's talk about Naomi Watts in The Impossible. Yes. Good movie. So, first of all, uh, this was the only film's nomination. Uh, Her previous nomination, Naomi Watts, was for the movie called 21 Grams. Um, This movie is actually very whitewashed because it's actually based on a spanish family and when they show the family at the end they're like dark skin so i thought (laughs) yikes and i was because um so this director is also spanish he did the spanish movie the orphanage and Mm. he needed the budget yeah so he needed the budget and if you've seen the film or if you've just seen the tsunami scene of this movie you know mm-hmm. why you need a budget for this movie. You couldn't make this like with a lot of CGI hospital characters and whatnot. And mm-hmm. I think the studio said like, if you, if you want this amount of money, we need some faces in here that people know. So they hired the Scotsman, which is Ewan McGregor and the Australian Naomi Watts to right. play a British family instead of the Spanish family. Right. I, I, but you don't like, find Penelope out until Cruz, the very, very end. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem, like there's gotta be more, but I guess right. they might have been busy. <laughs> well, let's. I mean, okay. So anyway, anybody, if you don't know what the impossible about, what the impossible is about, it's about the tsunami in 2004 that took out like Sri Lanka, a lot of the South Pacific, Thailand, Vietnam. You know, it was a horrible, horrible disaster. And one of my favorite, um, po- poorly timed joke was on Family Guy when. <laughs> This happened, and then there was this candlelight scene where they're like, Julia Roberts is so obsessed with herself, and then she's in front of all these lit candles, and she's like, hi, I'm Julia Roberts, and a lot of people died in the tsunami, but I didn't. She's like, don't worry, there's so many years to come of just me, me, and I... I love that. But anyway. That is funny. So, and I think uh, 7,000 tourists died, but 200,000 locals or something like that. It was crazy. Oh, and people were oh. saying, like, why are you making a movie? Yeah. About a tourist and not of the locals. But I think um, the, the director, oh, is it uh, B.A. Bayoga? I can't, I, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But um, I'm on it. He still did a great job um, sh- showing this hospital in Thailand of where everybody was. You see all locals, all tourists. There's a bit of mm-hmm. everyone. And, and talk about kid actors this year. Like Tom Holland 
before he chose Spider-Man was the teenage son in this film. And right. I thought he did yeah. an amazing job in this. He, like, did. he was very strong. I wouldn't have been surprised if he was nominated for an Oscar for mm-hmm. a supporting role, but so, Same. sorry. So just anybody that doesn't know what the impossible is. So it's about the tidal wave and this family is together. They're on vacation and then they all get separated. And then spoiler alert, they all like get reunited in the end. And the, and it's called the impossible because it's like, what are the odds? So <laughs> this movie is just one big gross. It is so nasty. It is like, when I think of this movie, I always think of the scene when Naomi Watts first kind of gets out of the water after she's been thrown around by the sea and her back thigh falls open. Oh, yeah. Oh, I oh, that scene has literally is imprinted in my mind from the moment I saw this movie. And my friend Leah and I, we always talk about that scene mm-hmm. where it's like. But like, is it gross? Or like, how gross is it? Or was it like Naomi Watts, like in The Impossible Gross? Like, we use this as a point of reference because it's such, this whole movie is disgusting. Also, if we're talking about like whitewashing in this movie, I have a very strong feeling that Naomi Watts' character will be writing a very strongly worded Yelp review for this, for this, uh, you know, resort. Um, this movie... Okay, I'm going to have to agree with you by saying that the kid, if he was nominated for a supporting role, I think that that would have been extremely appropriate. He was so good in this. Naomi Watts being nominated for an Oscar for this movie. You know, I loved her in this movie. I loved this movie. Ian McGregor was great. Yeah, I mean. a great monologue scene and. Like, she's great in the movie. Yeah. She's great in this movie. It's just, I find a lot of it is reacting, is. you know, on her part. And she doesn't really have a lot of lines if you really think about it. And I found her fucking character kind of frustrating because she's a doctor and she couldn't do anything. And it was like, oh my God, like if anything, you would know what to do in this situation. I mean, I know she tied up her gross leg, but like, yeah, I don't know. For I sure. mean, and, I, and similar to Emmanuel, she's in the bed for. 90% of the movie. <laughs> exactly. She's lying down for most of the movie. And then she starts to look like the girl from the exorcist at one point. Go, Cause she's yeah. just so haggard. And, um, you know, in terms of just, okay. Do you remember when Ewan McGregor just like abandons his two sons under the age of eight? Yes. <laughs> and he's just like, you're good. Go. It's fine. Yeah. I hated I hated that. That I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? you I don't know if that's not want to be away from your kids at all. Yeah. Why would no. you want to further separate your no. family? It's just Naomi Watts was incredible in this movie, but if I'm being honest with you, I don't really know why she was nominated for No, me neither. I think there were some other Oscar? good performances instead. Yeah. I don't know if this like, was like if the studio was pushing or we need like we put a forty five million dollar budget. Like we need more eyes on this movie. Let's just throw in the actress or like it's mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know why she was nominated either. It's like she didn't do a whole lot. Like there was a good scene during the uh, like the first initial wave, right? Because that scene that's always important. Where she's mm-hmm. hugging onto a palm tree and she's screaming, crying, and the camera pans up and you just see the magnitude like how big this this flood actually is she's mm-hmm. good yelling holding on to a palm tree <laughs> for the rest of the movie. sure yes it's just kind of all right yeah it's okay but but you know i mean listen like 
like compliments to her performance. You know, I think that she expresses very rooted emotions of a mother, both physically and emotionally. Her performance was very realistic. I didn't for one second not believe her. I think that it was a very good performance, but I, 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 I just don't know. I mean, yeah, like good for you for being nominated. It was a good performance. It was a believable performance, but I mean, I just don't really have much to say about this. It was just kind of like, it just seemed very real and she was kind of yep. suffering. But at the same time, you know, if you're going to award somebody for that, then you have to start awarding people for horror movies that are being mm-hmm. tortured and suffering in these movies. Because frankly, it was a very similar performance. The only difference is that this was a drama. Exactly. And, um, and the Academy doesn't like it. A hundred percent. And they yeah. aren't a big, a big fan of, of comedies. Also, just side note, why are all tropical hospitals in movies so like juicy and like perfect for the set of Anaconda? Like yeah. every yeah, every true, single actually. time. That is every true. single time. That's funny. Um Yeah. You know, a lot of cultural appropriation going on in this movie. You are absolutely right. There what about the locals? What about their stories? Uh, now I, I think when Tom Holland, again, I don't know how much of this movie was true, and with a son. So the son, folks, for those who haven't seen it, is walking, the teenage son is walking around the hospital saying his mom's name, trying to find her. And then as he's doing that, other folks who are hurt and injured say, hey, um, say this name too, and say this name too. So he's walking around saying about five, six names in this hospital and ends up reuniting some other families and people that have been lost who are on different uh, floors of the hospital. So I think maybe... Like, again, I don't know if the real teenage Spanish son in real life uh, did that, mm-hmm. but maybe this was the way of the of the director showing mm-hmm. all, everyone else that was hurt, locals, people from other other countries, other countries, mm-hmm. because it is quite a diverse group of names that he does have. So I am glad that that choice was made, that it wasn't just the Spanish family, who's actually British, is looking for each other. You do see the scale of this hospital and how many people are missing. That's true. I I do also agree with you. Tom Holland gave a really great performance. I wouldn't have been surprised if this kid was nominated over Naomi Watts. I actually would have been like, yeah, fair. Um, But if you have, if anybody listening, if you haven't seen The Impossible, it's actually a really great movie. It's it's definitely like a popcorn kind of movie. I, I found it very entertaining. I liked it a lot. Maybe I don't understand why Naomi Watts was nominated for an Academy Award, but it's a good movie. I I liked it. (laughs) okay let's talk about our winner jennifer lawrence for silver linings playbook now before i even get into any of this the first thing that i'm going to say is that so many people celebrate this as one of the biggest oscar what the fucks of all time really eh? i don't get it i don't understand why people say that she was fresh off the hunger games and winter's bone um, when people saw this side of Jennifer Lawrence, this was a brand new side to her. This was also the beginning of the classic pairing of Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said before, like wh- like this movie at at the time when this when this came out really meant a lot to me. And her winning this Oscar meant a lot to me, even though I hadn't seen any of the other movies at the time. I just really wanted her to win. I've seen Silver Linings Playbook like a hundred times. And before we even get into. I've seen it probably 85 times. Oh, it's, (laughs) it's such a good movie. And before we even get into anything, I just have to say that this movie, 
I, at the time, had broken up with my ex for the fifth time, and he was bipolar schizophrenic. When I was watching Bradley Cooper in this movie, in the movie theater, the scene where he wakes up his parents about the book in the middle of the night, and he's like rambling, and he's manic. I cannot tell you, because I used to live with my ex, the one that I broke up with five times that was bipolar schizophrenic. My ex used to do that to me all the time. And when I first watched this movie, it was so triggering and so real to me that I almost walked out of the theater because it it upset me so much. And I think that when a film can do that and mean so much to someone, I think that that's a very, very powerful thing. And I think it's a sign of a really good performance. Mm -hmm. I realize I'm talking about Bradley Cooper right now, but I am just saying that this movie really meant a lot to me. So if anybody says that Jennifer Lawrence winning for Silver Linings Playbook was a big, like, what the fuck? I think that you just hate women, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> it, so. it was actually, it's funny how you d- do say that. Uh, also, side note, I, it was a second date that I had with the girlfriend I had at the time in 2012. It was Oof. a second date ever. And we had gone to dinner and then th- we already had tickets for this. Sorry, and we didn't, and, and we had planned to see this movie. I forgot my wallet. and it's not wise (laughs) so here i am sitting there second date oh uh by the way can you get dinner and get the movie and get popcorn (laughs) anyway we stayed together for longer than that but uh it was just like a god damn this girl's never gonna answer my calls after this but this was the movie we saw and it's funny how you brought up a funny relationship story and so right although yours wasn't funny it was just more realistic (laughs) (laughs) well okay so silver linings playbook is about this guy who's trying to get his life back on track after he gets released from mental hospital after he beat the shit out of this guy that was having an affair with his wife and then he meets jennifer lawrence this person whose husband died and she is i think she's supposed to be bipolar but she i'm pretty sure is just depressed she takes a lot of meds yeah so there is a scene where they do they are sharing all the medications that they take and which ones they like and dislike (laughs) Yeah. And um, mental illness is always so much more entertaining when everyone's sexy. And whenever she comes into the movie, she's also kind of like an inappropriate and kind of has like foot and mouth syndrome. And she's kind of um, a broken, damaged person because her husband died. And then she went through like a really slutty period, which like I went through that once after a really bad breakup. No one died, but I'm just saying. And um I related a lot to this character because, you know, I have my own struggles with mental health. I mean, for Christ's sake, my album is called Unmedicated, The New Fragrance. So this movie really meant a lot to me. And I loved her character in this. And um, I, like I said, when she won this Oscar, I jumped out of my seat. But now that we've now that I've seen all of this, these performances, you know, I, I like to be able to sort of compare and take everything else into consideration. Am I going to be jumping out of my seat again this time? I don't know. But Silver Lightning's Playbook was the first film to earn nominations in all four adding, acting categories since the movie Reds in 1981. Um, Anne Hathaway was originally cast oh. as Tiffany, yeah, wow. which is Jennifer Lawrence's character. And so Anne Hathaway could have walked away that night with two Oscars. Um, yeah, so I, even the supporting cast, um, Robert De Niro and Jackie Weaver playing Bradley Cooper's mm-hmm. parents, Chris Tucker, who I find annoying in every movie (laughs) up until Silver Linings Playbook was actually enjoyable. Chris Tucker is someone who is, was also in the hospital with Bradley Cooper and is out and about and his friend. But um, I thought Bradley Cooper again was amazing. There were some, a lot of first time nominees for the men. There was like Hugh Jackman for Lamez was great. Like I know Daniel Day-Lewis won. He'll he'll never not win. But I thought like, I thought Bradley Cooper was just as good as her. Oh yeah, they worked they worked off each other so so well. She has such extreme presence in the movie. I would say 
it's a little bit much. Her performance is a little bit much, but it actually really works in this case. And I really love how sex positive she is. I love whenever I fucking hate whenever guys like call girls girls sluts, but they don't mean it in like a positive way. I realize how stupid that sounds, but like gay guys, we call each other sluts all the time, but we mean it in a positive way. I hate when guys call women sluts because, okay, uh, Rob Brown, you're a straight man. And if any straight brand, I know that most straight men don't listen to this podcast for obvious reasons, but I'm just saying, <laughs> if you are a straight man listening to this podcast, honey, you need to listen up to this. This is my struggle <laughs> with straight boys. Okay. Okay. Um, straight men you could have the best fucking sex life of all time just like just like lesbians just like gay men um but the thing is is that you kind of shot yourself in the foots there because all you guys have been doing and i'm not talking to you rob specifically this is just a general casting (laughs) call what straight men have done to women over the history of mankind is just shame them shame them shame them shame them and it's literally like the reason why women are so reserved sexually and don't want to do those nasty things that like you want them to do is because they have been shamed their entire life by straight men so the thing is is that straight men if you were to stop shaming women and slut shaming them and stops calling them whores and sluts all the time when you like want to get with them but that's how you talk about women with your friends and stuff like that this is why women are not going to want to do those things with you because the thing is is that like physiologically women are just as sexual as men that doesn't make sense if you think that it's like guys are sexual and then women just fucking put up with it but literally guys if you were to stop slut shaming women you could have the best sex life okay this is why gay men have amazing sex life and we're very sex positive and same thing with fucking lesbians but straight guys you could have the exact same experience and straight women but the thing is really it comes down to the straight guys constantly shaming and 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 slut shaming women over and for like centuries i see it and hear it all the time i see it in my industry i have so many straight guy friends so many straight co-workers that are guys and it's the same fucking thing it's that locker room talk it's like fucking do better and what I like about her was that she stood up to that and mm-hmm. Tiffany stood up to that in this movie. And she's literally like, uh, yeah, like I'm sloppy and I'm slutty, but I like that part about myself. But can you say the same thing about yourself whenever you like hearing about it? But then you call me a slut. And I was like, yes, girl, like, fuck That's you. Bradley she's Cooper. asking her about it. Like, tell me details. Were there any women you slept with at your work? Like, how many people did you sleep with at work? And then he can't handle it and doesn't like it. And again, like that, that line that you just said. Yeah. Can you say about can you see this can you say the same thing about yourself fucker and like throws the table at the restaurant across the wall um but even um even like what you just said there the um a movie that i liked growing up was was chasing amy kevin smith's chasing amy and i've I've seen that i rewatched it today and it doesn't work like it's about a guy that likes a lesbian she likes but then finds out that she was with multiple guys in in her past before she even met him and decides that he can't cope with that and like breaks up with her it doesn't work today (laughs) oh wow i (laughs) it doesn't work and i remember watching it back then i'm like oh this is a this is a decent movie like it's in the criterion collection and but then all of a sudden i watch now i'm like geez dude come on (laughs) slushing and you yeah, can't get over a, a woman's past before she even met you. Oh yeah. Um. Okay. I love this performance. One critique that I will have of this performance because I was saying, you know, it was a little bit much at times. The scene where she like barges into the house and in Robert De Niro's house, that's uh, Bradley Cooper's yeah. dad in the movie, and Jackie Weaver is the mom. Um, when she barges into the house and then she starts listing off like football game points mm-hmm. and like facts. 
and like talking about how Excelsior was like the California license plate, um, New York or New York or whatever the fuck it was. Listen, that scene is so cringy to me. I don't know if it was cringy for you, but I thought that that scene was like, like, I think because so again, like folks, so the dad, so, um, Bradley Cooper's dad in the movie, Robert De Niro, he becomes an illegal uh, bookmaker. So like he's taking bets illegally on football mm-hmm. and sports, but he, his juju and his voodoo uh, sensitivities are so strong that like the remotes have to be held a certain way while the game is on because of God forbid, if the remote is in your left hand, not your right hand, then the football game, then your team's going to lose the game. So he's all obsessed with like this energy. So he starts getting mad at Tiffany because Every time he's with, sorry, she's with Bradley Cooper, the team loses. And you can see, um, and, he's, and he has OCD. So you can see now Bradley Cooper, how he has this maybe bipolar disorder. Like it, it could have been a little hereditary. Mm-hmm. But then, yes, sh- she does come in and just school him. Like, hey, everything you're doing is just so. But I think she would be the kind of character to do that. Like she just doesn't. Again, like the foot in the mouth, just mm-hmm. is a hundred percent honest all the time. But I'm just so surprised. What, like she memorized all that, all those yeah. scores, or <laughs> yeah, right. she's just like ready to go. Wa- like you never see her watching any sports in the movie. But it was true. Yeah, it, it was. She just, did her research. Yeah, yeah, it was just kind of out there, like almost like she knew before going over to the house that Robert De Niro was going to ask her about these games, and she just knew like ten different scores and the dates off the top of her head. It's like, eh. <laughs> you know, I mean, she, listen, she nails every scene, every monologue, every emotion that was very beyond her years. I think that um, it's just that, that scene for me, I just found that to be a bit awkward, but the dance scene at the end, when they're doing the dance was competition great. was like watching a really sad episode of dancing with the stars. <laughs> it was. And that was the whole point. Like they're just not good compared to the other dancers. <laughs> And I, I love I love that. And when they get the score of five and they freak out and everyone's like, what the fuck? Like, I it's a really modern twist on a classic rom-com. And I I really enjoy this movie. I loved her performance. I love Bradley Cooper. Like everybody in this movie just nails it. I don't know if they've really recreated that magic again with Joy or American Hustle or Sienna, um, or whatever that one was called. Sierra. She was in. If they're in some other movie by the beach. Oh, Serena. Serena. (laughs) Yeah. Apparently that like bankrupted some studio. I I tried watching it. Frankly, it's boring. It's not a good movie. Cooper shows up in joy for a scene as well. Doesn't he? I'm pretty sure that he's in the movie longer than that. Isn't he the guy that. Yeah. Like he's in it longer. Yeah. But they've been in a lot of stuff together. Those two. Oh yeah, they're they're a classic pairing. But you know, Jennifer Lawrence, she was the girl on fire, literally. And then now people <laughs> really don't care for her anymore. Wow. I think she'll have a comeback though. Hmm. She has yeah, that movie coming out with uh, Leo. Yeah, because I guess it's like post Hunger Games. X Men movies aren't uh, good anymore. Um, yeah, I guess she's not as as hot. Not as hot, not as popular. Okay. Well, um, I could talk about Jennifer Lawrence all day, but we do have to announce a winner. So um, if you don't mind, could you please go first and say who you thought the Oscar should have gone to? Okay. So Rob Brown, I think in 2013, the Oscar should have gone to... Quinchani Wallace. Nice. Okay. Why? 
So again, like she filmed this when, like I thought she was nine. She filmed this when she was six years old. The physically mm-hmm. demanding. She's in every single scene. Um, like, like there's nothing for her to relate to in real life. Again, mm-hmm. I don't care what movie she did after. We're talking about this specific performance of this year. I think for a six-year-old, she did a great job. And I think that of all the other performances uh, that year, other than perhaps, I think, uh, I think my second pick would be Jennifer Lawrence. But I think uh, Quinshawne Wallace did the best job. I love that. Okay. And also you almost got it. Quo You almost got it. <laughs> well, that was like, okay, well, and uh, also to add on to what you said, um, they actually lied when they were casting because they were looking for a six-year-old and they lied and said that she was six when she was actually five. Jeez. So yeah, I, I have to agree with you. That was a an incredible performance from such a young actor. And you make a very good point by saying that, like, what else does she have that, to compare it to? Mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's a very very good point i love that okay so i am going to go ahead so i think that the oscar should have gone to jennifer lawrence for silver linings playbook Ooh. i yeah i literally I... stood up and started clapping in my <laughs> the girl on fire Ah, uh, yeah this movie means so much to me uh, as a person with mental health issues as a person that dated somebody that was bipolar as a person that um just also loves jennifer lawrence this movie meant a lot to me i st- i jumped out of my chair in 2013 for a reason i love her in this movie i think that she nailed it i think that she's wise beyond her years in terms of this performance this emotional kind of performance and i think that this was such a good choice for her in her career the timing was right i really hope that she can get back on track because i really love her as an actor and uh, i'm really happy that she won this oscar she's very very talented she is not overrated and i really think that people need to consider all of these films before they say that jennifer lawrence was like you know this overrated whatever win yeah, and she shouldn't people, have won like why do people hate her now like why after since like 2016 have people just decided we don't like her anymore like is it because of the <laughs> weinstein thing how i think this like was silver Linings playbook a weinstein win it was a weinstein win it was a yes. weinstein win okay like so she... i actually i don't yeah, know the continue. hate yeah, yeah. I, i'm just not like i don't know the hate yeah, I don't know the hate either, but the thing is, I think that she was overexposed, and I also think that she made that movie Mother, which kind of put the nail in the coffin oh, for some people. She was dating the director, too. I also that. think that the thing that people loved about her, how she always spoke her mind and how she always was just so real, I think then people started hating her for that because I think that they just thought, like, oh, you're so full of yourself that you think that you're better than me. Like, you know, it's the, it's the law of physics where it's like whatever co- goes up must come down. And I think that she, in this internet age, experienced that much quicker than Winona Ryder or Julia Roberts because they didn't have the type of instant connection that we have now at the online age. And Jennifer Lawrence, you know, was really up there. Not that she isn't anymore, but I mean, she's certainly not where she was. But she will, I think that she will be again. She's an incredible actor and and I really look forward to watching her career sort of unfold. But my answer for this episode, Jennifer Lawrence, Silver Linings Playbook, and I I I'm the opposite of you. I would have given I would have given Quavangene the second place. Mm. For sure. Okay. 
Well, that wraps another episode of Best Actress. Rob Brown, thank you so much for being a guest on the show again. Again, if anybody, of course, yes, if anybody wants to be uh, personally trained by Rob, you can check him out at Rob Brown 25 on Instagram if you're in the greater Toronto area. If you want to look like a Hulk. And uh, thank you so much, Rob. And we'll see you. We'll see you next time. Did you enjoy the show? Want to hear more episodes? Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to access our entire catalog of episodes ad-free with your subscription. Subscribers also get access to new episodes one day earlier than everyone else. Oh my god. Go to patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe, and I will see you all at Howard's Inn.